Good morning. Hope you guys are safe and well. And uh, this week uh, we have a bit of an unusual, actually good in a good way, unusual session. We have one of our members, Suraj, um, that has uh, entered into contract to buy a property that I had recommended uh, during one of our property evaluations. So it's a great case study uh, in real time that I want to share with you guys. And he's going to join us, but before. We get there. I like uh, Logan uh, and Harsh are here with me. I'd like him to introduce some of the new members and then we'll get started. So, yeah, good morning, everyone. So, um, we have some new members, as typically, who joined the group over the past week. We have Amir, um, Amin, and Duran. So, welcome to you guys. And uh, as we say every week, if you haven't already, uh, please go into the group, post who you are. Uh, your real estate experience, what you're looking to accomplish, where you're located, get connected, network in the group. We also have the networking sheet inside of your members area where you can get more granular on these details and connect further. Thank you, Logan. Welcome to the club, guys. Excited to have you guys. Um, all right. So um, I know some of you guys are just hopping on. Uh, this week, uh, we have a real-time case study with one of our members, Suraj. Um who has uh, taken the opportunity to buy a property. I did a preview on one of our sessions. It's a small medical building that's, um, in my opinion, a, a great starter um, for some of you guys. So I'm gonna have Suraj join us and then I'll screen uh, share. Hi, Suraj. Hi, Manny. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So yeah, I'm sharing my screen. So Suraj, you sent me a property and correct me if I'm wrong. This is a property I uh, give you a thumbs up during one of our evaluation uh, sessions, correct? Yeah, this was yeah the uh, February property review session. Yeah, I entered in contract around mid-February on it. And I wanted your input yeah, back then on it. All right. So it looks like a 5,800 square feet medical office. Um, and where is this located oh okay riverdale georgia and so this is a freestanding building um asking six hundred fifty thousand. you want to tell us a little bit about it uh how did you negotiate what are you in escrow for and sure. um, yeah go ahead sure so uh you know i was looking yeah for value at deals after i joined your program and learning from you in january i just joined your program and and I wanted some really motivated seller. I was open nationwide. I live in Orange County or in Southern California, but the prices were quite high. And for my first property, I was looking in the sub million dollar range um, sale price. So this property, I mean, I'm a physician by profession. So I kind of understood the medical space. And I think you also are a fan of office and medical. So this one was near a major hospital. It's actually a suburb of Atlanta. It's about 15 minutes from Atlanta International Airport. And I only mm -hmm. was focusing in major metros and the suburbs of there. So I, I came across this uh, near a big hospital and um, kind of the seller was mismanaging it. It was only 20% occupied and interiors needed some work done. The parking lot needed some work and he was really motivated. So. I said, you know what, I'll try and lowball him at maybe 400,000. 
So I went in on through the same listing broker happens to be a healthcare only listing agent in that area. So I just used her and um, we went in at 400,000. The seller came back and said, I'll meet you halfway. And I said, look, I mean, I, I just can't at this point, I'm gonna, I have about 120,000 or more six figures in renovations, remodeling to get it back and stabilized. So eventually he agreed. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's an older guy and, you know, he just didn't want to spend a single dollar on it. So I got lucky and we settled at 430,000, which is like, I think 73 wow. bucks a square foot. Yeah. For it. That's fantastic. So I, I like the, you know, the density is great. I see within three mile, you're at 79,000, I think. Let me just scroll down. Um, yeah, 79,420. So I like to see over 70, so that's good. The average household income is a little bit light, but given it's the proximity to the hospital there and it's a medical and you're buying it at, you know, I think, what is that, 75 a foot, 73 a foot? 73, yeah. 30,000. So it's a prime candidate of a mismanaged property that is already medical, which I prefer medical over general office. And uh, density is good. And I think it's a great value at uh, property you got there. I see the vacancies do need some work um, just looking at the condition of it, but it's not that bad. It's not in a bad, you know, in a horrible condition. It's not got it out in other words. So you, I don't expect you're gonna spend, you know, 30, 40 bucks a foot TI, uh, which on 4,000 feet would be, you know, uh, 100,000 plus in TIs. Um, have you had the broker that was leasing it uh, give you some kind of ideas what you're gonna have to put in terms of TILC? Yeah, in fact, um, you know, when I, I flew there during the inspection and I actually, the same day of inspection, I lined up like five contractors to meet me there throughout the day and I got bids uh, during the DD process. And uh, my my cheapest, actually, best uh, guy, I think, was at about 64000 for the interior, complete flooring, painting, remodeling and using uh, LVP, like nice flooring and stuff. And even uh, ceiling tile change was like 65,000 bucks for the whole, uh, yeah, whole building actually. Yeah, that's good price. That's under 20 bucks a foot. I right. see you have two by two ceiling tiles. Yeah. And it, it looks like the maybe LED retrofit. If not, I mean, you definitely want to upgrade the, the lighting grid to two by two LEDs. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the cabinets, the walls, you know, cabinets, I mean, those definitely in the flooring. Um, I see obvious damage to the flooring in the kitchen area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a foot, you should be able to, uh, get this, uh, you know, remodeled and, uh, it's fantastic. And what are the options of, uh, the only thing I would recommend is maybe subdividing it is 4,000 square feet. And the smaller the tenant, the higher the rent per foot you could achieve. It's just a known fact in real estate. So if you could split this into three, you know, 1,350 square feet of spaces, that would, you know, be uh, uh, 4,400 4, square feet vacant. That would, in my opinion, be ideal. But your challenge is going to be, you know, the uh, entrance, fire exit, accessibility, ADA. A lot comes into it. So you have to meet with a general contractor to see. Yeah. How would you uh, be able to, you know, uh, uh, slice the pie, 
so to speak, that would meet those uh, conditions. But that would be my only recommendation in a small sub market. You know, it's going to be probably uh, it's going to take you a while to fill backfill a 4000 square feet medical. Um, but obviously there was a medical built, you know, medical tenant in there for 4400 square feet. But it would just help you to get traction on leasing much quicker if you would subdivide it. That's my only um, recommendation. Otherwise, I don't see any red flags with this one. You're getting a $220,000 off the ask price. Uh, which is immediate immediate profit in your pocket. Yeah. And, um, you know, the rental rates, this tenant, how much is the remaining tenant? I think you sent me a rent roll. I want to yeah. see what yeah. it is. Yeah, he said, I think uh, it's like uh, 1400 a month for a 1200 square foot. I think it's $14 a square foot yeah. for year. Yeah, I see that here, 14 bucks. And what are the broker uh, indications are for market rent? Uh, anywhere from 16 to 19 they said uh yeah 16 to 19. in fact this same one was a few years ago at i think uh, 15 dollar 50 cents uh in 2015 2016 but then the he asked the seller for some remodeling and new flooring and the seller didn't do want to spend money so this same tenant said okay now i'll pay you 14 bucks a square square foot <laughs> mm, um, wow. so he went down on rent i think six years five years ago um That's but been there. yeah yeah uh, and let me ask you is this separately metered i see the expenses are kind of light uh do they pay for electric because i don't see electricity yeah, yeah so electric there's two separate electric meters the tenants pay full electric in fact the water mm -hmm. is only one meter and that uh, i have provision to charge them a water rent uh, in mm -hmm. addition to this tenant but the previous seller wasn't doing it so um wow but, that's yeah. even better so yeah. it's sort of like a triple net you know maybe double net if you can uh since you have separate meter uh for electricity and you're passing the water and uh, operating expenses back to a tenant well, you know, at 14 bucks, uh, it's definitely below market and the tenants look like is month to month. Yeah. Yes, so you yeah. should, be able, yeah, you should be able to bump him up and sign him on a, you know, preferably a five year lease with, you know, 5% a year bump is what I would recommend. Um, and obviously throw a little bit of a TI for him, you know, as an incentive, um, you know, maybe new paint, carpet, flooring, whatever he needs. Um, and you're also, going to spend money on I'm sure exterior of the building uh, to give it a little bit of a you know fresh look right. uh, and and he would appreciate that but you know and on the exit um, as soon as you get this lease I'm sure you know you'll be able to flip it for a profit I have no doubt with those rental rates um, you know I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to be closer to 20 bucks a foot uh, gross rental rate um, so at 20 bucks, you know, you got 5,800 square feet. Um, that's about uh, 115,000 a year NOI. I'm going off just memory, you know, <laughs> 5,800 times 20 bucks. You're 116. I was close. 116,000 a year and your operating expenses are going to be, you know, we'll, I'm going to say about 25,000. Yeah, property tax seems a bit high, but let's say just 25,000. And I plan to appeal that many. That property tax is based on seven hundred thirty thousand. So there, I I figured out. They said you can appeal it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So at 90,000 NOI, if you sign up leases at 16, $17, uh, modify gross or double net, then you'll, you should be able to land at 90,000 a year NOI net operating income. And you know, at the 10 cap it's 900 grand, um, at five cap is going to be 1.8 million. <laughs> but, uh, you, I think if you can get a credit tenant, uh, to mm -hmm. occupy the entire 4,000 feet or subdivided, um, your only challenge is going to be the electric meter. There's only one electric meter for the 4,000 feet. So, and it's expensive. One, uh, water, water meter. There are two electric and two gas, one water meter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah water is not, water is not worth a splitting. It's very a small mm -hmm. expense, 1500 for the entire year, but electricity is expensive to, you know, to subdivide, uh, to do separate meter. So, uh, you know, talk to the broker and if they say, um, you know, they'll be able to get you a credit tenant for 4,000 square feet or 4,300 square feet, um, and do a seven to 10 year lease. Actually, I would prefer that if it's credit, because then, uh, then you'll be able to sell this for a six cap, you know, seven cap. Mm -hmm. And that would be a huge home run for you because it would be a 1.2, 1.3 million, uh, sales price. But uh, yeah, I, I like everything about it. The average household income is a little light, but everything else uh, checks all the boxes. I love it. I'm, I'm excited for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah do you um, have any questions for me? Uh, no, that's pretty much. I was also planning to do the, but do you usually recommend if there's like um, surface parking lot cracks and stuff, do you recommend it's about 35,000 for the whole parking lot um i had a uh, asphalt contractor come in there were some cracks and all the lines like it needs restripping and stuff the handicap lines all parking lot lines are faded significantly do you mm -hmm. recommend that just to improve any like um, or yeah i would definitely resurface it and re-stripe mm -hmm. it i wouldn't redo it redoing okay. means you have to take two inch off and put two inch of asphalt is very expensive for yeah, that kind yeah. of area. Um, you know, you look like you have a, uh, metal roof, um, you know, brick building, nothing you got to do to the exterior, the parking lot, definitely. And the landscape, um, mm -hmm. you know, just putting new sod, it's not going to cost you arm and a leg. You got a nice sign. Um, yeah. I mean, I like it. I mean, I, I, I think the parking lot and re-striping it is the only thing I see that's going to cost you a bit on the exterior. Uh, landscape is minor. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for that input. Yeah. I'll use it and I'll update everyone in a few months. What happens? Yeah. When are you supposed to close on it? Uh, on the 21st, so nine days from today. And uh, yeah, oh. hopefully I'll start work right after on it. Awesome. And out of curiosity, are you uh, putting uh, leverage on it or buying it cash? Um, so no, I am actually, I took a loan, um, you know, on it. So I took a loan and yeah, I'm paying 35%. Yeah, it's down and otherwise it's leveraged. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this it's is, this is yeah. yeah, this is one of those you're going to, it's going to be a home run for you. I feel it. So I'm super excited yeah. for you. Keep us posted. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. We'll do. Thank you for yeah. again uh, allowing me to be on the call today. Absolutely. Thank you, Suraj. Yeah. So give we me actually those. have a member asking a question to Suraj. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, should I stop?
sharing my screen so we can see everybody. Yeah. Okay. So Raj, we're gonna have some members have some questions. Wonderful. So uh, first question is from Jeremy. Jeremy says, "Hi, Suraj. How did you know the seller was motivated? Was it from property description, or did you have to speak to the broker?" Um, so yeah. So Jeremy, the you know the I was looking at how long the property's been on market, and um, no, on the description they did not have anything like this motivated or or not. And you know I was focusing just on medical and in and around the main suburbs of major metropolitans and i just was kind of calling all these brokers uh, whenever i saw a medical building you know there were few and far in the uh, sub 1 million category and i wanted i was focusing on those so there weren't too many in the country and i just uh, maybe 30 40 of them just a few dozen in that uh, kind of price range so that's how i knew and this broker replied back that he's extremely motivated. It's 20% occupied and mismanaged. And I kind of remembered what Manny's taught uh, all these months and uh, jumped on it. Good for you. This is exactly what I expect you guys to do with my program. Go out on a hunt, network with brokers, tell them what you're looking for. And as you guys train your eye, looking at hundreds of properties, you'll know when you got a good value at deal on your hands so super excited for you um anybody else has questions for Sumer? yes we have uh, summer uh she asked how did you get comfortable to look outside of oc it's manny's recommendation to keep your search close yeah so this one it was a very very tough decision a little bit of a risk but um you know, I mean, I again, I wanted to be in the sub 1 million for my first one, and I wanted to learn from this. So uh, there was no way I was getting a medical property in OC or anywhere around California sub 1 million. There was some in Sacramento, by the way, that I saw, but, but mm -hmm. that one didn't have an elevator and stuff. And, you know, um, so I wasn't interested in it. But um so th that's how kind of i just said i'll have to take a risk and you know go out of um state and i do have a property management company i signed on with uh, i think for 2.5 percent of the gross rent i've already mm -hmm. signed contract on this building so uh, yeah it, it's a little bit of a risk but i i do have some cousins in the atlanta area who are physicians too uh, through my wife and so hopefully they'll keep an eye out every few months too there and the property management company i made a deal that they go and do a drive-by and an inspection actually every two months on the property so that's on the agreement so they'll be my eyes and ears and i'll put some ring uh, the hd security cameras hopefully i'll be able to at least monitor exterior so that's some stuff i'm doing to try even though it's out of state and hopefully in two years i'll hopefully flip it to something uh, back here in california that's great we have uh, Sisra asking, how did you find the brokers for these properties? Um, I, I didn't. I mean, I just went on LoopNet and Crexy. Uh, I have Crexy Premium member and just LoopNet, and I kind of directly uh, asked the listing broker. I think that was a question I had asked many during my first month uh, in January with his membership, and he said, yeah, just go with the listing broker. You know, it's in their interest uh, to sell you the property, even though they represent the seller. Um, so I just, yeah, went off LoopNet. Where was listed, I just contacted them direct. 
So now we have a question for you, Manny, from mm -hmm. Doran. Mm -hmm. He asked, uh, you said household income is light. What should income look like for when buying a property like this? Well, I like $60,000 or, or higher. Um, but, you know, this property is an exception. There are exceptions to the rule um, because you're buying it so low and it's so mismanaged and it's medical and it's separately metered um, and it's a small deal size. There is very rare to find a small deal size. Uh, so, you know, there are exceptions to the rule. And this one I would make an exception on, not meeting the, uh, you know, the 60,000 mark for average household income. Awesome. I think that's all the questions we have from the group. So, Suraj, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. you can still be on this call and we'll, we'll resume our Q&A session. Thank you again, Suraj. Okay. All right. So um, we have a question from Brian. He says, what recommendations or advice do you have for someone who is about to start an entrepreneur real estate career in Phoenix, Arizona? Well, uh, start networking, get on LoopNet, Craigsy, CoStar. Um, again, you're learning how to fish, right? And my program teaches you criterias, what to look for, value at, mismanaged property, how you can add value. And once you know how to catch a fish and you identify it's a great fish, the rest is, you know, secondary, right? Even if you don't have capital, you can either, uh, you know, tie up the property and sell it for a premium to another investor. You can co-invest, bring in an equity partner. Uh, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Uh, but my recommendation is, you know, preferably get licensed if you want to become a real estate professional. Getting license is not just going to open the doors for you to earn money when it becomes a buyer's market uh, when, you know, economy goes down and, but it educates you um, on, you know, the realist on real estate principles. So you get educated when you get licensed and you can use your license when time comes to earn a fee. So those would be my recommendations. All right. Next question we have from Nicholas. Says, what's the difference between a personal residential loan and a commercial loan? Mainly because when you have your own business and put many things as expenses, you left with loss or profit on your 1040 form, but also end up paying less income tax per place as a loss. But this might also make you to qualify for a less amount of money borrowed. So if it is when you get an investment loan, mm -hmm. do lenders go based on your business revenue and your business EIN number instead of only your social security? Well, there's multiple questions there. First of all, the difference between residential loan and commercial loan. Residential loan, they look at your W-2s, paycheck, uh, business tax returns, because it's your primary residence, there's no income coming in from the property. So you have to qualify and um, we call it front and back ratio. Front ratio is your primary uh, PITI, principal interest, uh, interest tax insurance, divided by your gross income. That's your front ratio. And then back ratio is your PITI plus your auto loan, any other credit card payments, uh, personal loans you have. And the front ratio is usually 40. So the lenders have different guidelines, but typically is maximum 35 to 40%. Uh, so that's how they qualify you for a personal residential loan, um, personal or residential loan. If it comes to into commercial property, the properties 
income, uh, existing income plus pro forma, right? Future income once you stabilize a property is what has to qualify for the loan. And if it doesn't qualify, doesn't matter how much money you're making, they're going to cut back down on the loan proceeds. So uh, primary uh, income from the property is first, and then they look at you as a guarantor if it's a recourse loan. And if it's a non-recourse loan, they don't care about your income. They only care about your performance based on your other properties you've uh, purchased and your history as an investor and the property's income. So there is a multiple uh, ways lenders look at and underwrite you as a borrower, uh, whether it's recourse, non-recourse, if it's investment property or your primary residence. So um, I hope that sheds some light on your question there. Awesome. We have a question from Christi uh, Christina and Dwayne. Mm -hmm. They say value add office Jacksonville or Orlando, Florida opportunities are limited. Mm -hmm. We'd like our first commercial deal to be our, in our backyard. Three counties here fit the required demographics. If you live in Florida now, mm -hmm. how would you find these deals? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that market, but in any market, uh, go on LoopNet, Crixie, CoStar, put those exact, uh, you know, county or cities and see what pops up for your price range, right? If Even if there is one listing, you call a listing agent, and introduce yourself network because he's working the market you're looking to buy. Uh, that's one. Second, if you don't get any hits in your search, uh, doing what I just said, then drive around, look for properties that have for lease sign on it, preferably for, uh, for lease by owner, um, and he has high vacancy. So reach out to them, say, hey, is the owner, if it's the owner, tell them, are you interested to sell your property? Um, that's another way to get it. Uh, and if you can't get their phone number on the property uh, to the owner, you can go on sites like Rionami, uh, CoStar. They have the owner's information, phone number, address. Write them a letter if you don't have their phone number uh, directly on there. Um, but that's really, you know, you got to hit the pavement, right? But going through brokers that have um, listings similar to what you're looking for is really the best way, in my opinion. But driving around, also, you get to see what's distressed or being mismanaged and just find a property owner, reach out to them. So it's all a numbers game. So the more hours you put in, you're really likely to find that one uh, diamond in the rough. Awesome. We have Vanessa and Jim asking, what should you look for during a property tour? Well, property tour is visual inspection. You're not going to see the plumbing. You're not going to see the roof condition but you just want to take a look, see how outdated is the property's finishes. Um, if there is, you know, uh, you know, damaged ceiling tiles, if you smell like mold or, uh, you know, just uh, humidity, um, those are just things you want to look out for. But also, you know, the uh, when you do a tour, you not just touring the property, you should go within a couple of blocks, drive around the neighborhood, and just get family with the neighborhood if it's you know not your neighborhood you definitely want to uh, just look out and see if there is any red flags with the location of that property um but those are typically what i look for when i do a tour and uh you know i get my thinking hat, hat on and see what can i transform this property into uh, the potential 
the the value add uh, the property represents you know those are all the feel you get when you walk the property awesome our next question is from damon he asked do you interview every tenant during tenant interviews or just to select few if not all how do you go about selecting which tenants to interview mm -hmm. great question uh, first of all any tenant that's coming up for renewal within the next 12 months i do an interview um, because those are pretty short term uh, remaining on their term and you want to kind of assess you know the probability of them staying um, if they want to downsize or sometimes if you're lucky they want to expand second any tenant over you know 10 percent of the building i absolutely interview if, even if they have 10 years remaining on the lease uh, that just want to see the health of their business what's their physical occupancy very important especially post-covid you want to see if they got 14,000 feet and they used to have 300 employees, uh, which would be at 100% physical occupancy three years ago. What is it now? If it's 20 employees or 30 employees, then they're at 10% physical occupancy and that's not good. So you want to kind of get a lay of the land and the tenants, occupants in the building, how do they like the building? And if there is any major issues, they've been complaining for the past five years um those are the tenants are important 10 percent or more mandatory interview and anyone that's coming up renewal in the next 12 months awesome this will be our last question for today guys so um dave and christine ask for a building that has deferred mm -hmm. maintenance would you evict or not renew lease to do renovations if so do you do this right after closing well, depends on the extent of deferred maintenance. If you're replacing a roof, you don't need to evict the tenant. Um, if the property had water damage, there is mold in the property. Obviously, everybody's got to get out. Um, usually, you don't have to evict the tenant. Um, you do uh, replacement of flooring can be done while the tenants in the building, because typically, if it's an office building on the weekends. Uh, these things get done uh, where the tenants aren't occupying the property uh, but it really depends if it's a major major remodel where you're doing plumbing electrical flooring yeah you don't have a choice you're gonna have to uh, get the building vacant all right uh, well this was fun I'm hoping you guys uh, will follow and get inspired uh, from what Suraj shared with you guys today and um, and come back to me and share your story uh, with the group uh, and a potential building you're going to have in escrow. Um, with that said, you guys be safe, be well, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.